Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of August 24th. I'm your host, E-Swap, Derek Kessinger, and joined, as always, by the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, and this time, Kyle McFadden. Guys, we're still waiting for Robert. He must be a little sleepy. We uh, haven't heard from him yet. I think maybe he might show up here a little later, but we're missing Robert right now. We're recording this on Monday morning because we are all flying to Austin, Texas, for some uh, retreat, I'm calling it a little summer offsite. I've never been to Austin. Kovac, you ready? I don't think you've been yeah. there either, have you? No, nope, never been there. Just heard a lot about that town, the uh, home base there, Flow Sports, and uh, it's the whole uh, whole deal, I guess, during the afternoon, into the night, I guess, that we're going to. So uh, it'll be cool to see the offices too, uh, downtown Austin, and yeah, everybody talks about Austin being a pretty uh, fun town, and I guess we'll hopefully it looks like it's gonna might be raining there, but we've been seeing plenty of rain all summer, so uh, it wouldn't be anything new, I guess, to go down there and get a little wet too. McFadden, are you gonna be able to control yourself, or might have to uh, make sure you don't get in too much trouble? I heard Austin has a good time, and I want you to get a, uh, you know, too much shenanigans with Kovac, Patrick Davis. Everybody's gonna be there, so I'm just gonna make sure you're gonna be okay. Yeah, we have this Top Golf thing tonight too. At least I'm going. So or Monday. Uh, some Monday top golf to kick off the week. So I don't know. We'll have to check in uh, after that point in time. So it should be fun. This is, this will be my first time in Austin too. So looking forward to seeing everybody. Yeah. I can't wait to see you too, but just for yeah. the record, since this is going to air Wednesday, I'm just going to say it was a good time. We had a great time. Nothing too crazy happened. Uh, Mark Floriani and company uh, provided us with a fun time down in Austin, Texas. So that is going to be my, uh, you know, crystal ball when they listen, the listeners listen on Wednesday. So good times, but I can't beat around the bush on this one. Kovac, I feel like we're having deja vu every single week now when we start the show off. JD won again. We've had 407 straight laps of no lead changes and have been pretty much, uh, besides Brandon Shepard, JD has been the dominant factor. Another win. It was a little closer there at times. We had that yellow coming out. I think it was going to end up being a good race. The field, they were battling out. But J.D. all the time leads another 100 laps, picks up another topless 100 or maybe his first ever topless 100 victory in front of his, uh, you know, uh, car owner, his hometown there. And uh, big, big, uh, big sponsors there. Big time win for him. It's getting kind of old. He wins again, Kovac. Yeah, it's uh, there's nothing much different about these races too. like uh, the USA Nationals, North, South, the 100 and topless 100. When you lead all 100 laps like he's done. That's pretty dominant. Uh, again, he didn't just run away with it. Uh, it wasn't as close as the, I guess the USA Nationals would probably be the one that's the closest of these three when Tyler Herb was able to actually get by him a couple times without actually leading a lap with some sliders. And uh, and maybe if a caution doesn't come out at one point, he might have been able to actually lead the lap too. Uh, and then in the North-South 100, it wasn't as close as, uh, as Cedar Lake and, and then again, the topless 100 that it might, it would have probably been a pretty interesting finish. Although when Hudson O'Neill and Dale McDowell both got close to Davenport towards the end, uh, when there's a lot of caution come out, it did change things a little, but right before that caution too, I, I do remember that Davenport did make a one. He seems like he has a little bit of a sense there. I mean, obviously he's getting some signals from, uh, from his crew chief, Jason Durham does a great job with the signaling, uh, and letting them know who's there, but he also just, that's what race car, great, great race car drivers, great athletes, whatever. I mean, that's what separates them from just uh, the regular guys. They have like a little bit of a sense of like, this is what I got to do. And, and I remember one lap Davenport just, 
he, he just changed his line just enough as, as Hudson was like barreling in on the outside and, and looking to make some slide. He, he, he prevented him just enough to kind of kind of come across there where Hudson couldn't just throw that big bomb of a slider on Davenport. And when he did that, he opened it up probably five, six car lanes and Hudson had to come back at him again. Uh, it's just, that's just part of how good Davenport is and he's got everything going right now. And, uh, he, he just feels good. And, and it's, it's different formats that he's won at now one with, you know, just a one day of a preliminary, a topless 100 puts him on the pole, uh, USA nationals. He starts up front after, uh, the, the passing points deal, two days of, uh, you know, they had a nut well, it was one day, I guess, but it was the split field, I believe at, uh, at North South 100. So he, he's doing it in every different way. I mean, and he keeps control of the race, the entire distance. Um, just pretty impressive. I mean, I don't, I, it's, you're, yeah, you run out of things to say about Davenport. He is such a good driver, such a great driver. Uh, so technical too. I mean, I love talking to Davenport after races and the way he can break it down. Like this is what I, I mean, he, it, it's sort of like you always hear like the football coaches or players or, or basketball players, how they can remember, like I got a photographic memory almost of what happened on certain plays during the game. And, and that's sort of like what Jonathan is uh, as he's when he talks about the race, he can remember like what he made this move when he got this signal, uh, when he changed his line here. You know, it just you can see he's on another level. Uh, there's only a few drivers on his level. You know, that, that's how good they are. They're superstars. And, and that's uh, and that's what he's showing right now. At this point, you're like, OK, let's just see him keep winning. Try to get to the two million dollar mark and try to create history. Kyle, you haven't been in this sport too often covering it full time, but you know of it. Have you ever seen anything like this, even in the sprint car world, where we're just seeing a guy just unload dominance can be leading all these laps. I think, I mean, 2015, he was pretty dominant. I'm going to ask Kovac this, the next question, after you get a little word in here, but, but this is a phenomenal wild season for him. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess on the sprint car front, he had nine shots and you know his, his run of, of, of 10 outlaw championships and, and, a. Uh, a short amount of time in terms of, of seasons. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of what Kyle Larson did in, in 2020. I mean, it's like every time this guy unloads, right. Um, I mean, we had a question in, in fast talk this week, you know, who's, who's the favorite at Port Royal Speedway, you know, for another $50,000 and, you know, Jonathan Davenport's not expected to, sh to, show up I would like to know the last $50,000 race this year that you know he that 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 he's not expected to run um and so you would have to think that that you know just like thinking through that right okay that Davenport's not expected to show up to Port Royal this weekend that that levels the playing field some or more in my opinion if he were to show up Watching him, I think it's 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 407 straight laps now. He's led uh, in in Crown Jewels at least, or I think 400 straight. No, wait, no, he didn't lead laps at Gondic, so I think it's just 407 straight laps in Crown Jewels um, that he's led now. I mean, it, it. I mean, I don't. I've never heard of anything like that in the dirt world. Um, and I've been watching this, this, the sport since I was a kid. I've, I haven't, I mean, I know that Scott Bloomquist had in his heyday, right? I mean, 
we all know that 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 Scott was uh, you know at his prime, um, you know, very dominant, obviously too. But I would like to go back and really look at the numbers and really compare the streaks or the run that Jonathan Davenport is on right now to not only some of the greatest runs in dirt late model history, but in, in dirt racing, honestly, as a whole, when you factor in, you know, sprint cars or big block modifies, maybe Kevin can dig up some old Northeastern big block modified stuff. And I can dig up some sprint car stuff and, and really try to compare and contrast uh, and put things in perspective, but yeah, no, I honestly can't really think of anything that that kind of rivals this. Um, I mean, you know, just on the dirt front, and it uh, it's interesting because it's it's we had a, you know, it's been a topic, right? You know, is it uh, is it a concern that it's that there's been a lack of passing um, in these crown jewels and the battles for second? I mean, there was, again, like the Prairie Dirt Classic, I think there was, what, five guys that shared second throughout that race. I think on Saturday at Batesville, there were six guys that shared second, right? So you'd take out, you know, Jonathan Davenport, and, and we're talking about race of the year candidate. Uh, and so um, in terms of just that battle for second, um, and then obviously, too, you know, the Prairie Dirt Classic. But now, you know, it, it's obviously a completely different conversation, you know, um, after you kind of look back at, at what Jonathan Davenport and his crew too, right? I mean, it, uh, you, know, you can't overlook the guys around him as well, you know, preparing that race car and getting that race car, uh, you know, dialed in each and every week. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous run, something that I've never seen before. And it uh, looks like he's going to take uh, a week or two off here and then to Eldora. So, um, we'll see if he can pick off two, two more there. I think he had six crown jewels up to this point in his 2015 season. He had 17 wins at this point through 2015. Also, he had 23 wins that year. So he's got 17 now at, at this point and six crown jewels. So, uh, you know, certainly one of his greatest years, obviously too. And in terms of money, obviously his greatest could, 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 also go down as obviously the most uh, money accrued throughout a season too in uh, the history of dirt lane racing. Yeah. And I was looking at his schedule page. He has won seven races this season already with still three or four more, three or four more left to go that have paid $50,000 or more, obviously won the Eldora million. So that's a huge uh, cash for his payday, you know, huge checking for his payday. Um, 2019, Sheppy won three $100,000 to win races, but this is, I mean, this is rivaling it pretty damn, you know, I, it's amazing. Kovac, I want to ask you, take the million dollars out of it, just the money, money-wise. Just say he won, like, on the Dirt Late Model Dream Weekend, just like he did in 2015. Is this season better than the 2015 season? Obviously, money-wise it is, but in terms of just wins on the certain weekends, is this better? Well, I, I kind of think it is already. Uh you know, the money one, he, he would already be ahead of last uh, of 2015. If, if you could, if you switch the, the million to the, to a dream win, say uh, he'd be ahead of that. He's already like around $700,000 without the dream factored in and without the million factored in. 
so he could he could win a million dollars, have a million dollar season without without even factoring in that million. So I think that puts him up there. And, and I mean, 2015 was was a great year. He didn't win these this the races like this. I mean, I mean, a Prairie Dirt Classic when he won in 15, it was I think it paid twenty six thousand to win. So that wasn't what it is now. Uh, he also uh, he remember he won the dream, but he you know I, I, he also knows that he didn't he also wants to be the first guy under the checkered flag. I mean, that was one where it was uh, Scott Bloomquist light at the scales. So there wasn't quite the, it was very fun for him to win. It was excited when they were all celebrating in the infield, but I'm sure that Jonathan still just like Dale McDowell with his world 100 win wants to win that race with being the first under the checkered flag and not getting it, uh, you know, at the scales. So that's a little different too, than, uh, than this year winning the, the million. Uh, one thing I think about with, with, with Davenport also is he, this year, he, there's probably two races that he, I mean, that was totally top on his list. It was the million because it's Eldora and it's the biggest money, obviously. And, and the topless 100, because it wasn't on his, he had never won it. He wanted to put that on his resume and it's a hometown uh, of, of course, of, of Lance Landers, his, uh, his owner and, home base of the team basically you know like uh, uh so he has the sponsors and he has his owners there he wanted to win that tapas and put it on his list and he got both of them so i mean it seems it seems like he when he puts his mind to it this year he he's getting it he's getting what he wants uh i mean there's also remember back at the beginning of the year he didn't win he didn't barely run speed weeks only ran a few races he didn't, he didn't win, I don't know, his first dozen races of the year, something like that. We all were kind of saying, like, well, what's going on with Jonathan Davenport? He's not winning. And now he's just on a tear. Uh, and, and he won't have – so going back to 2015 to 2022 comparison, I mean, the big difference, I guess, would be there's no – there's not going to be a points championship on his resume this year. He's got to get the quantity and, and quality of wins rather, uh, you know, uh, rather than those – those series wins that he had he had a dozen of them back in 2015 and that was a really kind of an unexpected title too because him and the uh kevin rumley and leroy rumley team they weren't planning to go run that entire lucas oil series at the beginning of that year they just kind of started off well kept going kept going they they were that team wasn't like set up to go do a national tour and they still won the championship. That's how good that car was. And Donaldson Davenport and the team was that year. But I, I, I still don't, it, it's that everybody talks about that as the historic year. There, it is a big year because of, you know, the device that was on the, that Kevin Rumley had come up and had on that Longhorn car, car that year. And really, I don't know, it, it changed the sport, no doubt, because everybody was trying to figure out what they had. And when they did that, it, it changed like how the cars even react, how the car, how you drove the cars. I mean, everybody points to 2015 as like a turning point in dirt late model racing. So that's always going to make that historic season. Even if he didn't, even if this year he wins more money, which he already has and, and, and wins more big races. Uh, so it, it's, I guess the historical significance of 2015 will always be there, but 2022, it's just what he's done it's 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 really it's already uh, uh, superseded that I guess because he's when you win three three crown jewels in a row in the way he's done it and you know four to last five I and mean, he had that bad probably the only one there the 
Prairie Dirt Classic, he had had a dropout because he kind of got squeezed into the backstretch wall before he could get up there and and really make any kind of run uh, at at a win. So I mean, man, just I just again, superlatives are tough to keep talking about with Davenport this year. Yeah, Rachel and Blaine, his beautiful family, they're uh, very ecstatic for Dad to dominant season. Kyle, though, I mean, looking at his schedule, he's win this money. You're not going to Port Royal. He's off this weekend. He doesn't even have Knoxville Nationals. That's another $50,000 to win race. It's kind of crazy, but that's just how JD is. He's just cool as a cucumber. I don't think me personally, I'd be like, how the hell is he not going there? But he's just so damn good. I think he's done well this season. He's going to say, you know what? We can take a couple weekends off. Are you kind of surprised that maybe he's going to be doing that? Yeah, I was actually just looking now. When is When was his last off? weekend for this weekend and I don't see any races uh that July 4th weekend so I mean the guy's been basically going at it here for solid month and a half just on the road and he's won you know 13 you know since June started he's won 13 of his 31 races since June um obviously you know he got you know all the crown jewels basically in that stretch and and i was looking back at 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 2015 he he won 15 um, of his 33 races from may through august so i mean just uh obviously you hit the summer hard right and you know this is this is kind of i feel like after the topless you know guys start preparing for eldora right i don't think there's you know after the topless, you know, there traditionally hasn't been the bigger, you know, of 50,000 to win show like there is this weekend at Port Royal or the 30,000 to win at, at Davenport. Um, I mean, those events have only been on the calendar here you know, in the past. I mean, this is the first year for for Port Royal. I think last year um, or the first year that Port Royal's paid 50,000 and Davenport's traditionally made that trip you know, only because he's been on the Lucas Oil Tour. Um, but now this year, you know, he doesn't have to trek from, you know, where the team is in Arkansas all the way up to Port Royal, which is a hike. Um, so, I mean, he doesn't need to go out of his way and, and, and chase another 50K, you know, in the grand scheme. I mean, he's, he's won what, 1.6 million, uh, you know, this year before – you know, taxes and, 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 and how that's all dispersed within their, their team. Um, you know, he doesn't, you know, it just, it just makes sense, you know, to, for him to just take an off weekend when he hasn't had one since, you know, from what his schedule says, uh, after the firecracker. Um, and so, and, and so, yeah, no, I mean, he still has, and then, and then Knoxville too. I didn't even realize that that wasn't even on his schedule until yesterday or until Sunday when I was looking over it. Um, and so, I mean, he still has obviously, you know, the, the dream to finish out. He's got the world world 100, which uh, he has to be the favorite there, even if he doesn't, you know, pick off the dream uh, once that resumes on, on lap 14, I think, but I mean, he still has, you know, the $30,000 to win Lucas soul show at, at Tyler County uh Kokomo that'll be an interesting one with XR deal that's a 40,000 to win show he's got the 100,000 to win dirt track world championship at Portsmouth even as North Wilkesboro on his calendar too and uh he's got Las Vegas and he's got Alltech um so 
you know, he's got races on his schedule each month to end the year. So, I mean, his season is certainly far from over. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we've got technically, you know, three and a half months left. Um, or he has, you know, three and a half months left to, to, to add to what all already is. Um, it's, it's hard for me as a, as a, a new insider to, to pick what season was better, you know, obviously if, you know, from a monetary standpoint this year, no question, it's no contest when you compare it to the 2015 season. But as I mentioned in, in fast talk, I mean, the numbers are very quite similar. You know, I look at the crown jewels. He had seven crown jewels in 2015. He's got six now. Um, and I'm not counting the, the Bristol win as a crown jewel this year or the 50,000 to win show at West Virginia as a crown jewel. You know, those are just obviously the big, big money races. We're just talking about the traditional crown jewels. And so I think that, you know, what's a better season? I think everybody's got, you know, their own term for what's better. Um, obviously in Davenport size, I'm sure he'll pick this year as his better year to really uh, expand or, or, or really bolster his bank account, right? Um, but from a, um, a legacy standpoint, you know, and so obviously recency bias will say that this year, you know, will trump that 2015 year. But I mean, he had 23 wins that year and seven crown jewels. He's got 17 wins now and six crown jewels. So, you know, you can't overlook that 2015 and in light of all the money that's been won this year. But He's got two weeks off here, and then he's going to be back at Portsmouth with the Luke Soul Series in Tyler County, and then he's going to hit it hard once again at Eldora. So uh, two weeks off for him, and, and uh, you know, he's certainly not done yet. We all, we all know that. Yeah, we could talk about J.D. all single or all day, every day, because it's just been a historic, dominant season. Funny thing was, he told me at the Eldora Million after he won, he said the season doesn't start until after this race, the real season, he said. He's won 11 races since then. He's uh, safe to say he's doing pretty well this summer, and I think he's going to continue his dominance the rest of 2022. Other drivers are hoping I'm wrong with that prediction, but yeah, he's uh, he's having a phenomenal year. Great thing for the sport. However, though, some things aren't so good in racing all the time obviously you've had a tire shortage and parts shortage you know the gas was high so you've had some uh battles this summer people you know inflation economy and stuff like this and you know just over the last week or two we've had a few racetracks um closed down which is very unfortunate to see we had friendship Penton and north alabama all closing it seemed like within like back-to-back days and stuff like that so kovac is this a cause of a concern? Is it all right? Is there some multiple factors why each of these tracks are closing down? Because there's still a few tracks out there, you know, that's making money, putting renovations in it. So it's kind of like this double-edged sword. Yeah, we're seeing some tracks close. They might reopen here in a later date. We saw West Virginia close down the rest of the season. Or is this something that just happens, you know, the circle of life? It just happens, you know, every single year. And maybe we just had three back-to-back-to-back so quickly. So it kind of makes it worse than it is. I, I, it is a circle of life of racing. It's a, it's circle of life of business. I think, uh, I like to watch that, uh, the, the bar rescue show on, uh, I don't know what channel is it, you know, whatever it is on cable, you know, with that John Taffer where he goes in and he, uh, he, he 
fixes, you know, rebuilds like these failing bars. And a lot of times, I mean, they, the beginning of the, sh of the show, they always talk about how many bars close down every year. There, there's uh, countless numbers of, of bars that close down every year just because they it's it's a it's a science to running a bar you know and and, and like i i'm liking that a little bit to races that were you know if i go back through the national speedway directory uh i i think they still make that i think they still do a paper version of that and uh there's a lot of racetracks each year that open and close i mean there's a big turnover all the time and it's it's the strong survive that's really what it is a lot i'm in and uh, i know that some there's reason i mean like you look through these uh the the facebook posts and stuff that uh the the tracks that did close penton and, and north alabama and friendship they, they're closing and uh i mean friendship like that, that was a very long the promoters there put a very very long uh uh screed there about like i mean man there's if I would read that, and I mean, I always hear about how, you know, racing people are the best, they're the greatest community and stuff. If I read what they, with the problems they have had with, fan, with, with the spectators and the competitors and everything, I, man, I'll tell you what, it seems like that the good race people are in the minority the way they, you know, that, that was one of the, that's one of the main reasons why friendship seems like it's uh they're, they're shutting down. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be sold or anything like that, but right now it's just shutting down. But man, they, they've come and people don't want to put their wristbands on. People are destroying the bathrooms. People are not standing, they, you know, they're, they're, they're giving the officials a hard time all, all every week and, you know, complaining about everything on Facebook. I mean, it's like, holy cow. I mean, that's a lot to put up with, obviously, from a, a track, I mean, a track owner, track promoter perspective. You got to have a thick skin. There's no doubt about that. You got to have a thick skin in anything now, and especially with social media out there, people are going to bitch and complain about more stuff than they've ever done before because it's so easy. I mean, you just go, you could look at have the most rosy, positive post somebody will put up about a racetrack, you know, to, to start. And the first thing, some you'll see a post on there, some person complaining about something you know like they're coming up with the most negative thing which they don't even have to write i mean a lot of times i mean i see it you don't even have to mention that but they have to feel like they have to throw it up there so but that's another that we, we can talk all night about the social media kind of complaints and all that but and and one other thing i do have to mention about like the three tracks that that were closing I means uh at this you know closing at, at the moment under the current promoter i i saw like a a a common thing where it's like the promoters are saying, well, we're, we're putting all, we've put all our money into, we can't go any farther with this. I mean, we've, we did this to keep the track open for uh, the locals and stuff. And, and really, if you really want to think about it, you want to get really technical here. That's, that's kind of a common thing. There's a lot of racetracks that you'll get a person that loves racing that has other successful businesses they come in, they promote the track, they keep it open. Doesn't mean that they weren't a promoter. That's not, that's not their job. They're not a promoter. They want to keep it open just for the people. And that's not really the, I mean, I think they would even say that that's not a great business model. They wouldn't be doing that. Are they going to do that for their auto body business or whatever, or, or construction business where they can just come in there just to keep it open and hope to break even that's, you know, I mean, it's a lot of work, a racetrack. It's a full-time job. Uh, and if you're going to keep it open just to, to help out and, and expect, like, I mean, you might have the most goodwill 
the place that everybody's going to love you when you first come in, one thing goes wrong and they're going to be complaining and bitching about you. And then you're doing all this work. You're putting all your money into it. And it's, it's tough to make a buck at a racetrack. And you don't just throw the gates open and they're going to fill it up. I mean, and, and it's, I don't care how, how much you're into racing. If you're going to put all this work in and prepare this racetrack and, and do all the things you need to do to make it work and not make any money, just break even. That's, that's, that's not going on that long. And I think you've had that with some of these tracks that, you know, like you see it, I mean, they're putting money in and, and they're not getting the, the return back, which probably the track had already closed. Like Penton was closed for five years and, and before the current promoter came on. It, it, it wasn't doing well already if it closed five years ago and it's been closed. And now you got to rebuild all that and get all those, you, you know, get locals back into it. Uh, kind of long-winded here, but that, that's, that's my feeling. I don't think it's a, it's just because of the economy or the, uh, or, or problems with the racing or the expense of racing. It's just a, it's, a, it's part of the business of, of trying to make a racetrack go or any business go. Yeah. It's a very tough thing to do full-time job. I think nowadays with streaming and, you know, so many dang races, I think as a promoter, you got to come up with different ideas to get fans in the stands, whether, you know, I was talking to Josh King at a foreign speedway the weekend or two after the North South, they have dollar days, which it's still 10 bucks or 12 bucks to get in. They have dollar beers, hot dogs, and burgers just to get fans, you know, to come out. And then they have like a set set number of how many beers are for a buck. And then once those are all gone, then they go back to other prices. I think that, um, you just got to try doing different things. And it is very tough just because parts of the country, there might be less cars there. So you got to find different ways, maybe go outside the box a little bit to get fans there. I'm with you, Kovac. I think it's just the circle of life where just like in any business, you see it in racing all the time. I think, though, if you're a racetrack, you do have a better opportunity to get a national touring series in there nowadays because – it's so prevalent. There's so many races. I think that, you know, with the streaming, you can get a, you can get a big time series in there. So just try a different, try a few different little things. Um, and just have to wait and see, but yeah, I just think it's just like I said, just like all three tracks in a row, all closing down. But then you look at like, you know, Port Royal, they keep adding stuff every single year. They keep building up, you know, they're putting money back into the driver. So they keep coming back. Um, Fairbury, they've been keep doing well. They keep adding things and just other tracks throughout the country. So I think, you know, a lot of tracks are going up, may some close, but they might reopen. We've seen that before where a track closes and reopens. Kyle, what's your thought on this whole situation? Yeah, it's just, it's tough, right? As Kevin mentioned, you know, as a promoter, as an owner, as an operator of a speedway, you know, because you not only have your life and, and, your family and, you know, your life in general, right. To monitor and balance and, or, you know, just to safeguard, but, you know, you have to look out for all your drivers. You have to look out for all your fans and you have to look out for all the people that you ultimately employ or that have a hand in helping your speedway getting to wherever it needs to get to or stay afloat or tread water or like, you know, there's there. And then you can break it down from there. Obviously, you know, race fans, uh, they can be prickly and uh, they can be ungrateful at times. And, but uh, you know, there's certainly, you know, those fans are unfortunately louder with the keyboard and with their voices, whether on social media than in person. Um, you know, you have just as much of, you know, fans that 
do appreciate you know the sport for like what it is and unfortunately those ones that uh just want to take the social media and like you know all that stuff all the negative stuff unfortunately those drown out the ones that are grateful um but i don't know honestly you know i um obviously it's it's been a topic here of late and unfortunately i don't think it's going to stop it you know those three tracks that we mentioned that have closed down and i just think you know as robert had mentioned before you know i guess if there would be a time to sell it it'd be now um if if it has to come to that but um i'm not sure honestly what to really make of it other than yeah it's a circle of life and it's unfortunate but you know life life goes on and and, and there are just as many tracks out there more tracks out there that are thriving right we got two two tracks this weekend in port royal and davenport that have absolutely taken off the past few years so um i think we're okay as a as a sport and uh you know just to kind of keep things in check and keep things in perspective it's certainly you know never good to see tracks closed down it's never good but ultimately goes back to the business model and you know, every location is different. Every geographic spot um, on the face of the earth is different. You got to know your communities. You got to know your fans and you have to know your drivers. You just got to know people and how they operate. And... Yeah. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. As Aaron Rodgers would say, Kovac's favorite quarterback of all time. Uh, we see it all the time. Support your local dirt tracks. Get out there and go to the weekly races. Get out there when they have a, you know, it's regional or a national series come to town don't be complaining on facebook and social media just uh support it and uh we'll get through this and maybe we'll see these tracks reopen and hopefully we see these other tracks that are um projected and uh going on a higher trajectory they can uh keep it going as well and we can have a great time at the racetrack as always because we're headed out to austin so we're leaving at different parts of the day we finish the show with one more thing and i know kyle you gotta take off sprinting towards you know towards the airport here soon. So we'll let you go first. You can get out of here. Uh, what's your one more thing, buddy? <laughs> well, GR Smith uh, got back to me as to his condition at a hard wreck at Williams Grove on Friday with the outlaws. So he's got two fractured vertebrae. He's been fit for a back brace. He'll be out uh, eight to 12 weeks. So wish him a speedy recovery. And that was a hard hit that he took. He didn't break anything. His, his crew didn't find anything broken on the race car. And he took a hard head-on hit into the turn three wall in his heat race. Track track was just rough. And uh, I think he just got out of shape there, hit it really hard head-on in t- turn three, got out of the car and uh, couldn't, couldn't really stand up. He had to be taken off the track via ambulance and uh taken to a local hospital there too so he'll be out eight to 12 weeks and wish him a speedy recovery yeah no doubt about that you hate to see that when drivers get hurt like that let's hope he can recover be back racing yet again my one more thing is what a great time to be in dirt late model racing this weekend outside of like fairbury and eldora two of my favorite racetracks that produce great racing port royal and davenport outlaws will be at davenport for three days, Lucas will be at Port Royal, 50000 over there, big time money at Davenport, just two racy racetracks. And if you're like in the Ohio, Indiana region, you're like licking your chops, you're like, where do I go this weekend? Do I head out east or I head west? Both tracks are racy. One's a big half mile, the other one's a quarter mile bull ring that's uh, 
been producing great racing, had photo finishes here the last couple of years. And we can't say enough about Port Royal. They have uh, always have some magic there, great facility. So two good race weekends for late model drivers to pick and choose where they want to go. And I think that's great for a sport. They will be uh, both uh, on tap this weekend. Be sure to check it out. We have full coverage on highlights of the World of Outlaw race, and we'll have it live on Flow Racing for the race of Port Royal Lucas Oil action. So very exciting time in dirt lay model racing as we enter the last weekend of August before Labor Day, which is kind of crazy to say because this year is flying by. Kovac finishes strong, buddy. You're going to talk about uh your Lions. They're on the show on, you know, they're, they're, they're Dan Campbell cries a lot just to let you know. That's all I got to say. Yeah, hard knocks you're talking about. Hard knocks. Hard, I was going to say that, two a days, but I was, it's hard. Yeah, I training camp with episodes. the Detroit Lions on, on, uh, on, on uh, HBO. Actually, I did. I finally did watch him. I was kind of behind, but I finally did watch him yesterday and, <laughs> and kind of got me pumped up a little bit, you know, may not, I have a positive feeling about the, about that coaching staff now and what they're doing, the head direction they're headed. So they can't get any worse. So hopefully they get better, but <laughs> as for racing wise, uh, as I went to Sharon speedway <clears throat> on Saturday for the, um, world of outlaws race. There's the first one that they had first time I was there since the uh, last world of outlaws race, uh, that I, that I, when I was with the outlaws there back in 2010, they had an outlaw race there that I, uh, that was my last time at the track. It was uh, won by Devin Moran. Just want to mention Devin Moran. And after the race, uh, they got the race in by skin of their teeth there too. I mean, it was rain was coming. They were able to push the show along, finish it at 9.05. It rained right after the, you know, right after the checkered flag fell. So everything they did blowing that 10 minute horn right after the, uh, you know, right after the B mains and were done to get the future lined up. It all worked out and they were, I liked how they pushed it along. Wish tracks would push them along even when there's not racing going on, not rain coming. It was nice being done by 905. Uh, but the winner was Devin Moran. And, and he told me after the race, he said, man, it's the best I felt since speed weeks. Remember speed weeks, three wins, seven seconds, uh, 18 dot, you know, 18 top tens out of 20 races. I mean, he was so good in, in January and February and, and he hasn't been bad this year. I mean, he's, he's still won races, but he hasn't been at that level and he admits it. And, and he felt like he was back at that, at that level at Sharon, the way he ran. And what was interesting is that was the speed weeks car. He ran the same car, all 20 races in speed weeks that he did so well, and he didn't run it really that much since then. I mean, last time he had even even been in that car was a win at atomic back in June 24th. So almost two months, he hadn't even been in that car. That was so good to him. And that's, I, I always, look at that sometimes be like man how's a guy when a car is running that well how do they just put that to the side and, and not just run that thing as as much as they possibly can i mean what are, what are they saving it for you know what i mean and uh and i think devin might have be might be thinking that now because that thing has just been so good every time he hits the track with it and you know he's probably saying like man i i don't think i should keep that in the shop or in the hauler Let's race it, and he might even race it this week at uh, at Davenport as he defends his. You know, he won the big the big money there last year, and he might even run it at Eldora. He said now because it's going so good, uh, so we'll uh, we'll see that. But it just just thought it was neat that he hadn't hadn't run that car in so long, and now he's back to his speed weeks uh, uh, strength a little bit. And he should, I, I, if I was him, I think I'd I'd let it ride and keep keep rolling on that one. You know what I mean? I think I need to be their team manager. I'd say, why would we? <laughs> 
you know, put this thing in the box. We had to keep racing this until it's broke. If it ain't broke, don't fix it is what the <laughs> old saying is. So kudos to Devin Rain getting the big win at Sharon, which I love that track, by the way. And also Chubb and Boom, top 10 runs there, Kovac. They're back. Yeah, yeah, good. And they were they were battling it out there for ninth place. That was Boom's first top 10 in outlaw race since uh, back in May at Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. So it's been a while for him, and he had at least a decent run, but – him and, uh, you know, he kind of chopped off Chubb one time. Uh-oh. And Chubb, uh, Chubb said, I could have taken him out, but he goes, ah. He knew not, he was you know. points racing. He knew yeah, he was I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I know that, that wouldn't be good in the shop during the week if I would have uh, stayed in there and, and hit him and, and caused any problems and some damage. So, but it was uh, it was cool to see those guys uh, running together. It's always, always fun to see, especially afterwards when Boom and Chubb are, you know, busting each other's balls, breaking the races down and stuff. So. Uh, and it was a, and it, and it was Boom Nation was out too. His uh, his nephew Logan Jaquay was uh, in the cars for his third super late model start, but he ended up hitting the wall in the heat race, so he was he was out quickly. Uh, he didn't really get many laps, uh, but big big it was a big deal. Yeah, a lot lot of action over there in that Boom Briggs Chubb Frank race and uh, pit pit stalls. Yeah, it's always fun to see. Well, it's time to go. Thank you for listening. Well, full coverage this weekend. Outlaws, Lucas Oil will be live on Flow with the Lucas Oil series at Port Royal. But be sure to check out the highlights at Davenport. Should be a dandy as well. Uh, we had fun in Austin. So when you're listening to this, we can, uh, we'll give you a breakdown next week how much fun we had. But uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out these guys' stories. They're put, producing great content all year long. Until next time, this is the Dirt Reporters. We'll see you next week.